Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. I'm Laura Brodnick. And I'm Charlie Vegg. So Charlie, it is Friday and we have a royal scandal a Bruin. We do. There's a new scandalous book about the royals that's just dropped called Endgame, but it's actually been pulled from Dutch shelves after an error names the royal behind the person who made the comment about Archie's skin colour. Yes, yeah, so anyone who's on across that just crazy moment in time, mm. that was when Harry and Meghan had first announced they were leaving the royal family yes. that sent shockwaves through the world. That's not even an exaggeration. It really did. And then they were, you know, out of sight and hidden away for many months. And then they sat down to do this big tell-all interview with Oprah. Were you silent or were you silenced? And in that interview, that's when Megan said that there were questions about his skin. And it's the first time you see Oprah just looked completely shocked, like yeah. her jaw drops. And she's like, what do you mean questions about his skin? And then Megan goes on to say like, oh, just like how dark he was going to be, like what the skin tone would be, was there any way to know? And that set off this outburst across the world. And there were so many articles written about who people thought it was. And then Meghan and Harry went on the record and said that it wasn't the Queen because I think they were very worried about people linking that to her. And then this book's come out and why it's so interesting is that the author is Omid Scobie, who is a very long-time royal reporter, has spent like so much of his career either reporting on the royals or, you know, being their press circles has written so much about them. And he's put out this tell-all book. And what we know of it so far is that a lot of people come out with all these allegations that Kate is frosty and the Queen was very disappointed in Charles and that Prince Anne and Charles don't get along. And there's all these revelations. And he said he'd found out who the people were that said the thing about Archie's skin colour. Yeah, so he uses the term royal racist, which I think that's really catchy firstly. Royal racist. Put it on a T-shirt. Please don't do that. The book has been temporarily pulled from shelves in the Netherlands and Omid Scobie has come out and said that he only checked the transcript of the English version. Omid has said in some interviews that he knows he's not ready to reveal it yet, but he might. Honestly, I've been missing some royal gossip. It's been a while. Harry and Meghan have gone a bit quiet. Thankfully, we've got Endgame and The Crown and all this juicy drama is going to come back up. Well, since it's Friday, we do have Weekend Watch at the end of the show. But before that, we have to talk about one of the most pivotal moments in pop culture history, the rise and fall of a little band called Bardo, because this week it is back in the headlines for a bit of a salacious reason. So this weekend, you're probably going to see a lot of chat about an Australian girl group called Bardo, pictures of the original cast members, maybe you even pop their absolute banger of a first song, Poison. Do you know that song? actually don't. Oh, I was listening to it today and I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to know it. Mm-mm, no. 
right, every older millennial in their car is screaming at you right now. I no, know, I just like, go, why an, is she talking it's about It's an absolute this? banger of a song. I'm going to learn a lot today, guys. <laughs> Strap in. So the reason everyone's talking about Bardot is that this weekend a new show is premiering on Paramount Plus Australia and it's called Paper Dolls. But why it's so juicy is that Belinda Chapel, who is a founding member of Bardot, released a book this year about her time in the band and dropped all these secrets and behind the scenes stories. And she created this show, even though like many parts of it are fictionalized, but has actually taken a lot of examples and real life things that happened with Bardot and blended them into to this fictional show. Yeah, so I was listening to her speak and she actually mentioned that when writing the book, which we're going to get to, the reason that there are so many details in it is because when she was in Bardo, she took notes of everything that was happening. So I bet you there will be storylines that have been inspired by what actually happened at the time when she was in this group. So if anyone who wasn't across the start of Bardo, it started when a show called Pop Stars aired in January of 2001. Not sure if you're alive then. Yes, I was alive. I was <laughs> young, but, but I was alive. Stars. And I didn't know about this. I knew of Bardo, of course, but I didn't really understand that it all came from a reality TV show. It's kind of hard to understate how much this took over Australia at that time. It was a huge rating smash. And we'd obviously had reality TV back in 2001, but this idea of having this star search and putting together a real band and the auditions was a very fresh, interesting concept. Jackie O was one of the judges. They showed like hundreds and hundreds of women lining up outside. It was this idea that you come in, you sing for the judges for your chance to go through, you know, the rounds. I still remember Sophie Monk's like first audition when she walked in. Because, well, a lot of them, they kind of gave them big backstories and stuff. This is all we talked about in high school. But it makes sense because the Spice Girls were so huge and then suddenly you're watching it in real time, them trying to discover Australia's version of Spice Girls. Yeah, it was the height of our infatuation with girl bands and this new concept. And Sophie Monk was one of the people they hired highlighted straight from the start. Last in the cattle call, 19-year-old Sophie Monk drove nine hours through the night to make the audition. Because she had been working at Movie World as a Marilyn Monroe impersonator, so she did a bit of that in her audition. And then she walked down, she's like, oh, my God, I'm so red. And she was, like, beat red. She was so nervous. So it was this really cutthroat thing every week. They would send girls home until it got down to the final five. And it was this whole thing where, like, they went to their houses and they'd knock on the door and had their whole family there. Obviously, they kind of knew. And they're like, you've made the band. Yeah, that whole thing. It was like home visits pre The Bachelor kind of thing to tell them they made it into the band. So it was Belinda Chapel, Sally Polaris, Katie Underwood, Chantal Barry and Sophie Monk were the women chosen. So we're watching this play out on TV and obviously there's you know a bit of a delay because it was you know filmed and they put out into production, not knowing that as the finale was airing, behind the scenes some intense stuff was going down, which is that when the first five original girls were selected for the band, they were all put into this house together and the cameras were still following them. It was like part of the show. And so they were, you know, like living together, working out together, making their first album and all that sort of stuff. And then there were allegations which somehow leaked into the press, but it's only this year we found out what happened, that one of the band members, Chantelle Barry, it was announced that she was leaving the band and that was kind of a huge shocking thing because you'd watched her the whole way through, really want this, people were really connected to her, they had been very invested in her journey and then this shockwave of like, but why is she leaving the band? There were allegations about her taking money, which we later found out were actually correct and she's talked about a lot over the years. And so she was taken out of the band. I remember like the network released a 
statement saying like the first thing we're going to do is like close ranks around these women and protect them, which I'm sure the first thing they were thinking is like, shit, how are we going to keep making our money? And that's when, (laughs) and then there's video footage of them going into Tiffany Wood who hadn't made the final band and she's walking behind a counter in a shop and they, they come in with these cameras and she's like, hello, like super shocked. And they're like, jokes, you've made the band. So they brought her in to replace Chantal Barry. So we kind of learned a lot more behind the scenes stuff of what was going on while filming Pop Stars as Belinda Chappell released her book, The Girl and the Band, Bardo, A Cautionary Tale, this year. And she spoke about getting the contract for actually being a part of Bardo. Basically what happened was, although there were a final five, they brought 10 girls back for the very final, like, you're either in or you're not. But before they told you whether you had made Bardo, they said you have to sign this contract. And the reason for that was instead of just having five girls, Belinda explained that if there were just five, we're going to get to the contract. They'd be able to negotiate and say, okay, no, this isn't enough or go head to head. But with 10, you just want to be one of those final five. Yes, 100%. So they're all going to sign it. So Belinda says that she went to a lawyer and she showed the contract to him And he laughed and said, you're basically not going to make a cent. The contract stated that each member would be given $25 to $35 a day to live on, as well as having basic expenses covered. So where they lived, groceries. And she said she signed it. And basically everyone did because they wanted to be in the group. They made a rumoured $26 million in the first 12 months. But thanks to those contracts, they never saw more than their $25 to $35 a day. That $26 million all went to the men that created the show and a portion of it went to the recording company. Yes, exactly. But again, you understand why they had to sign those contracts because it was either that or not be in the band at all. And so they all kind of made platforms from that. So the band was having this huge rise to fame, like I said, making so much money, performing, and everyone thought they were going to become this really big mainstay of the Australian music industry. But it only really took a year for everything to very quickly fall apart, which is what we're going to get into after the break. So we know that all good things must come to an end, but Bardo came to an end quite quickly. So in April 2002, the band released a statement saying they had decided to take a well-earned break, making it sound very much like a group decision. They played a farewell concert just after. Belinda has said since that although with the benefit of hindsight she could see the moment coming, she had no idea Bardo was going to end. Exactly. It's so interesting because while promoting her book this year, she spoke to Mia Friedman on the No Filter podcast about what it was like behind the scenes when Bardo was breaking up. And I've got to say, as someone who was watching from the other side and watching the news coverage at the time, she paints such a different story to what we were told. What happened when you found out that plans had been already in motion to have a solo career for Sophie? Uh, Yeah, so that happened one day at midday and then literally the next day we were called into the office and told it was over. Were you mid-tour, mid-album, mid-everything? We hadn't finished promoting our second album, which was Gold, which was doing really, really well. We had so many gigs booked. We were at the height of our career. I think Sophie wanted out to... Yeah, I think she wanted to have her solo career. Whether she knew she wanted to do music then, I don't know. But I think that she wanted out of Bardo. She wanted her own Mm. career. Yeah. How did you feel on that day when you were told that? I think we were all shell-shocked. Yeah. Because, as I said, it came out of 
absolutely nowhere. So what's so interesting about hearing that story now, and she obviously talked to Mia about it, but it's also in her book, is that looking back now, she's so shocked that Katie left the band in 2001 because they were at such a height of their fame at that point in time. Their first album had sold so well and they weren't this kind of flash in the pan music group. And then she left to a musical. Management really encouraged her, like, yeah, yeah, do that. Don't be in Bardo anymore, which she thought was an awkward move. Mm. And then as the band was going to release their second album, Play It Like That, also an absolute banger. That's when this stuff started happening behind the scenes. They were very much setting up Sophie Monk to break out as this solo star and encouraging Mm. the other women to go in different places. It always seems that with girl groups and boy bands, there's always one that they kind of pluck out and go, okay, they're going to be the star. Yes. And of course it leaves everyone else blindsided. Like you have Harry Styles from One Direction. You've got Camila Cabello from Fifth Harmony. It always happens. But I doubt it feels good for anyone else. I bet you it feels terrible. Obviously, there were rumours and stuff at the time, but it's so interesting that it did take a good 20 years for this really to come out now because for so long they all did really hold the truth of what happened, like, very behind the scenes. So as we know, Sophie Monk's gone on to do a whole bunch since. I remember my first memory of her was seeing her in Epic Movie. Oh, right. (laughs) She was really set up when Bardo ended. I mean, it seems that's why they broke up the band and made her a solo star because they thought she'd have a better chance said going on to be like more of an international name and she went to Hollywood for quite a long stretch of time and was in a few movies. She was and then she came back to Australia. She was our bachelorette and we loved that and now she's hosting Love Island and she really is a household Australian name. But something you mentioned to me is that she's never really spoken about the fallout of Bardo. It's so interesting how she has distanced herself from it in such an extreme way, but also in a very clever way that never really puts her at the centre of drama or anything like that. And obviously we don't know what happened behind the scenes. But the interesting thing about Sophie Monk is that she comes across you know, in her professional settings and when we're watching her on TV or that sort of thing or when you're interviewing her, she comes across as so carefree and Mm. funny and stuff. But that woman is media trained within an inch of her life. She's so good at sidestepping questions and not giving you any information. She distances herself from Bardo. I think that's so fascinating because just Sophie Monk in general, she's exactly how you think she will be in real life. She is the loveliest person. But as you pointed out, she knows what she's doing Mm. and she's been playing this game for a long time. And if she doesn't want to talk about it, she'll just, yeah, sidestep. And even as Belinda Chappell pointed out when talking to Mia, is that the Bardo women are going to get together and do a little reunion one night. God, I hope that happens. Oh, yeah, you'll be be there. I'll be front row. Whatever shopping centre they're going to go in, if they (laughs) want to do it old school, I'll be like front row with that concert. would be amazing. The Weekend Watch. Okay, so it is weekend watch time and me and LB actually have a joint recommendation because we have not shut up about it since we saw it on Tuesday night. Bottoms, it's a brand new raunchy teen comedy that just came out yesterday and I don't think I've laughed that much in such a long time. I know, I'd heard so much about this movie. Sometimes you hype a movie up so much in your head, you think it can't live up to this. And watching Bottoms was the first time that I've left a cinema and been like, I cannot wait to watch that movie again. Like, I cannot wait to sit down and watch it. So it's, uh, as you're saying, like a raunchy teen comedy with a bit of a twist. So it stars Rachel Sennett and Io Debris as these two high school best friends. They're both 
both gay and they're both losers. Now, as I say, they're not losers in the movie. <laughs> they admitted in the movie that they're losers. The characters are losers. Yes, yes. But they also say it's not because they're gay. They're just not the popular gay kids at school. And so they're going into their senior year and they're both virgins and they want to hook up with some hot chicks. Relatable. But the two hot chicks that they're obsessed with, played by Havana Rose and Kaya Gerber, they start this rumour that they've been to juvie and so that they're really tough and then they start a fight club at school and the idea of it is that they'll get to bond with these hot chicks and be able to touch them and wrestle them and all that sort of stuff. I went in having not watched the trailer. LB and I were talking about it and she's like, just go in with an open mind. So I knew that it was a raunchy teen comedy but I really had no idea what the movie was about and when speaking to people beforehand they were like, will a jokes really be funny in 2023 with like a raunchy teen comedy? Like, will it be as good? Yes. I laughed the entire time. And my favourite part is the movie's only an hour and a half. No, that was your favourite part. Okay, no, okay, not my favourite part, but yeah. one of my favourite parts because movies are just too long these days. Yeah. Seriously, two, three hours. I get it, but let's go back to some funny 90-minute movie. I just left on such a high. It was yeah. a very good amount of time. We made noises throughout the whole thing. Yeah. There were constant jokes. Well, I'm kind of setting it up to say, like, oh, it's these two, you know, loser gay women who start a fight club to meet chicks. You think, well, that doesn't sound that good. But it's a very smart script and the whole cast is incredible. So Rachel Sennett, the star who plays PJ, wrote the script and was, like, producing and stuff. Yeah, so she's, like, a big name in the comedy world. And it's just so clever with the way it takes all of these classic high school tropes of movies that we would watch back when we were teenagers of like the popular girl and like the kind of nerdy person and them having this love story and then a secret coming out at the end. It kind of follows that formula while always kind of turning it on its head. And as you're watching these women absolutely beat the shit out of each other, which is just so funny. They, they start to beat the shit out of each other. They really do. Oh, guys, this is a violent movie, but in a funny way. And as they go along, they obviously start to bond, you know, these other stories that the other characters come out. And then it just ends with this huge fight scene. And it is the funniest thing I've ever seen. There's a good chance you might have heard of it because you pointed out, LB, they haven't done a lot of press for it. But it got 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, there Seriously? wasn't a big marketing rollout for it. That's why we're telling you, you have to go and see go it. Go see it. So it makes money. So we Take your friends. <laughs> take anyone. Honestly, you'll leave on such a high. Well, thank you so much for listening to The Spill today. This episode of The Spill was produced by Taylor Strano with audio production by Scott Stronick. We'll see you on mamamia.com.au and over on The Spill Instagram. Bye. Bye. Bye.